0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Darren Docterman, and this is Ashley Miller, and we are the Inglorious
1: experts. and today, can you dig it? I bet you oh, can. Oh, See? man! Yeah, yeah baby. Okay. We're talking Ka- <laughs> the musical. Wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, 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 big, it's, it's happening. It's happening right now in New York. Back, uh, back in the uh, city that never sleeps, we have uh, um, the uh, ongoing uh, run of *Con the Musical*, and of course, we thought it'd be interesting to find out. Would you like to know more? Well, you will when you when we sit down <laughs> with uh, Mr. Uh, Brent Black, the man behind the book, the music, and lyrics, who uh, came up with this bizarre off-Broadway show, *Con the Musical*. It's the and musical again, *Star Trek* musical. You we haven't, it, never we haven't wanted. seen
0: it. Uh, but we've read the or info it. on it and it sounds fascinating. And we just wanted to bring this guy on and find out what is going on here. What oh, what holy. is wrong with him? I mean,
2: uh, what is <laughs> what is his process?
1: Yeah. It's off Broadway. Obviously, we're in LA. We haven't seen it. We can't vouch for it. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> the computer is a small transport is an operative. But so we haven't made it to New York. But we 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 were fascinated by this con this this the, the idea of turning Wrath of Khan into a musical. Uh, we'd been waiting for Nick Meyer to do it, but apparently it never happened. So uh, it's a, the next it's podcast. A podcast. <laughs> the next podcast. So we're, uh, we're, the podcast. we're glad that, that uh, Brent and his his team did. And I'm sure it'll be a great interview. Before we get to Brent, a couple of housekeeping matters here on the uh, on the Trexperts. Guys, I'm very upset about the Galactic Star Cruiser going out of business. Really? At Disney World. I was really looking forward to going. I wanted to go. You've been saving up. You've been saving up for two years. Uh, I was anxious to go. I was I was looking for a time in my schedule. I thought it would be I thought
2: it would be fun to run I'll, a starship. I'll admit I was curious. I, I think ultimately what killed that thing is just you're talking about a hotel with no windows and small rooms and families, no doors, and it costs five thousand dollars a night. I mean, and that's. No, it was five thousand dollars for um for two nights, two days. For, it's oh, like, right. three three days and two nights. Oh, that's way more reasonable. Wait, what? <laughs> it's like that's that ultimately. Yeah, but it was completely immersive. It's a volume business. It was like it was
0: completely close... immersive. You can pretend you're in the uh, uh, prison cells in Andor.
1: Right. <laughs> I, mean... <laughs> I look. It just seemed like they were really pushing the envelope uh, in terms of interactive entertainment. I would have loved to have seen it, experienced it, particularly for my kids, but. You know, unfortunately it's gone. There's nothing we could do about it's it. It's gone. It's gone. And that's gone. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> they should do. That's God, the no musical no. I want to see. That was an extraordinary time for us. Remember at Comic-Con last year when we went to see Shatner sing I Wanna Be a oh Tree? My God.
3: Yeah, yeah. That at the that party. That
1: was great. We I didn't see more. Caesar sing, we saw Shatner sing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm like, wow, it was so amazing. We saw Shatner sing at a party. I did a movie where he sang. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, but, but the I, I real you know, thing
0: is so much more engaging than the fantasy, especially when you don't know what to expect.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty great. That's why I'm curious to see in the in the play what they do with Chatner and the, the songs and or Kirk and the songs and all that right. stuff. Okay, um, anybody watch the new HBO Max? Max, there is
0: no HBO Max. It is only Max, and only Max. But there is HBO. Yeah.
1: That, it's that's a, it's the same thing. It's just got a yeah. different stupid name. It's not the yeah, same exactly. thing. No, it's, it's It has it, a bunch of crappy reality shows. Yeah. Now. If you want to watch Babylon 5 followed by Mr. Pimple Popper, Dr. Pimple Popper to you, um, now's your chance. Crazy. Yeah. I'm sure lots of people want that. Oh yeah. God. I just, no, you've got the Tiffany what, brand and HBO. Look, it still has Barry on
2: HBO H- H- still exists. It isn't gone. And in fact, the, the entire reason for it, for making that split was because they didn't want like Mister Pimple Popper as part of the HBO brand.
1: Well, there is they no Mister Pimple Popper. It, it still diminishes it's still the whole. Oh, it's,
2: it's, it's just the streaming service. Look, it's okay. ba-
0: Barry is still there. <laughs> uh, I, I watched a couple episodes last night, and uh, but you know what isn't there? Uh, the nineteen seventy eight Superman.
1: Really? Yeah. Is it probably licensing it out to other ones? To probably. Get, keep the I hope they on. make. I hope they make some money off of it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. For a change. Yeah, they, they, you know, even I looked at to see what they had as the Warner Brothers 100, and I was just like, eh, we're, you know, where are all the good Warner Brothers movies?" It's, uh,
0: <laughs> it's, it's all uh, OPM, other people's movies,
1: other people's movies. Are, are you down with OPM?
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no, no uh,
1: OPMGM. OPM? <laughs> <MGM? laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Perhaps you've heard of the great Warner Brothers classic, Gone with the Wind. No! <laughs> 2001. No, that's MGM. Just because you bought it doesn't mean it's yours. God, it's crazy. Oh, well. Yeah, so, we
2: should do a 430
1: movie on that. We did. We and did. You should Check Maybe. it out. We did it our season great. finale. Speaking of great shows, this week, uh, you want to check out Deck 78, because we had a great conversation with Stephen Melching about where we went Ooh. far beyond the stars you know what that means? Nothing but East Buck Space Rogers. <laughs> Buck Rogers in the 20th oh, century. Oh, Buck
0: Rogers! Right. Yeah. Nice, yeah.
1: Baby. Yeah. I just Mr. got the podcast from the great Mark Buck. Rivera, and Mr. it's Buck terrific. Rogers Neighborhood. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great episode. So if you're a Buck Rogers fan or just like the 25th century in general, this is uh this is a must a must-have. So the only way to listen to it, at least uh it currently is uh, to subscribe at Trexportsplus.com. So if you want to hear that, you got to subscribe at trekspertsplus.com. Okay, before we uh bring in um uh, Brent, I got a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. If you could do a Star Trek musical, if you could do a Star Trek musical, what would it
0: be, Darren? Oh, I know what it would be. But I'm gonna save it till the uh, outro,
1: because uh, okay, I will what, tell you then. What about you, Ashley? Because it's what great. Would, if, you, if you could do a Star Trek musical, what would it be?
2: Um. Wow, man. Uh, uh, uh I, I don't know. I I I don't know.
1: Okay. Maybe, well, you know who does <laughs> maybe know? Maybe the trouble with tribbles. i write right. Interesting. <laughs> but then David Gerald would take credit for it all. Oh time. yeah, you're right.
2: Well,
1: <laughs> <wrong with> <laughs> so. There is somebody who knew exactly what he wanted to do as a musical and that person is Brent Black uh who is uh behind the book the music and the lyrics for and creator of he's the creator much like Jackson Roy Kirk of um Khan the musical so I think we're all very curious to find out more about this bizarre thing uh Indeed. that is currently um uh on the boards off, in off, off broadway, broadway on the boards so uh let's uh, without any further ado um, let's bring, uh, bring in, uh, Brent Black. And now we're joined by, uh, Brent Black, who's behind Welcome. the book, the music, and the lyrics for Con the Musical. I'm not going to do the Shatner Con. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Um, Thanks for having me. So you're a hit in, uh, in New York, uh, off-Broadway with, uh, uh, this musical, um, what in the world was the impetus, or should I say, the genesis of this uh, of, of this project that you've undertaken? That uh, is the toast of Broadway. What was it? The old Milford Milford Plaza commercials, the lullaby of Broadway. Well, this is the lullaby of Off Broadway, I
3: imagine. Sure, sure, and hopefully slightly more exciting than a lullaby. But uh, that being said, <laughs> uh, the impetus. Well, so I actually was a late bloomer, Trekkie. Um, I got into it through the movies that were like at one point all on Netflix, like one through I think generations mm-hmm. in the late aughts. And I loved them, uh, particularly Wrath of Khan and uh, and Undiscovered Country for that matter. The, the Meyer directed ones. And so in 2015, I went to a dance show in Brooklyn and I was fairly uh, unenthused. So I was zoning in and out. And suddenly there were these two spacemen kind of dancing around and they just kind of had these blocky outfits like Chekhov and Terrell when they enter Khan's lair. And I just started thinking, you know, I had written some musicals and gone to school for for theater. And I just started thinking like, how would you do a Wrath of Khan musical? And it was just like, that would be such a bad idea. And it like was exquisitely (laughs) bad. And I thought, you know, it's kind of a perfect encapsulation of a story to do a Star Trek parody. And um, I initially thought Q from The Next Generation was going to be something of a, a story reteller, just a mischievous reteller of it so that that would be the framing device for a parody. But my friend Alina Morgan, who is now uh, credited as the co-conceiver said, what if you have data make it like a holodeck program that is a musical, and that's how you frame the parody, almost like it could still be in canon. You could almost believe Data made this tonally wrong musical that inadvertently parodies the whole Trek universe. And so after that, I was off to the races, tinkered on and off, uh, and um, had a draft done by ni- uh, by 2019. And here we are, 2023, open off-Broadway.
1: Have you had any issues with... Um... Uh, CBS and Paramount, which obviously this falls under parody, which is why you can do it. But have you had any pushback from the studio because they are notoriously not as bad as Disney, but uh, very aggressive in terms of uh, you know sort of protecting the IP?
3: Well, so far none, and I think that's due to two things. Number one, they've really laid down some precedents with uh, other Star Trek musicals, including Caltech's "Boldly Go," which included Robert Picardo as. A walk on cameo. There was Warp Speed and Warp Drive and Stardate 1970, and none of those cats got sued. Not that that means a company can't decide <laughs> they suddenly want to sue, I guess, a more successful one. But more importantly, uh, in 2018, I, wor- I worked at a co working space and I just sat down to lunch one day, and this guy was like, What you working on? I said, A Star Trek musical, and he was just two hands on the table. Hey, you need to hire me. I'm an IP lawyer and a Trekkie. I need to help you not get sued. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm listening. So uh, he uh, now encompasses one of my favorite phrases, which is he is my Star Trek lawyer. and uh, The Star Trek has... whisperer. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And he basically kept me on the straight and narrow as far as how to, I mean, parody is not an ironclad thing. And anyone right. can sue anything anyone for anything but he basically helped me make sure that it was truly a parody not a fanfic and not simply co-opting an ip for uh infringement right uh, and you know so far, like, this,
2: this sort Go of ahead, sounds yeah. like a little rascals production right Where you're like hey like, hey kids let's put on a show and like somebody's like hey i know i've got a concept and another one goes like hey i've got a contract
0: i mean that's kind of hey i'm an ip lawyer
2: <laughs> i'm an ip lawyer bite <laughs> no, his ass
0: that's awesome
2: man
1: it's funny i even I, you know the only reason i ask you about that is having gone through that with free enterprise many years ago too i'm always curious about people who are treading on star trek but you know i think as long as you do it well and don't you know piss on the franchise in a sense they they always whether they think they have a case or not they're always going to look the, the other way because if it's if it's if it's helping them rather than hurting them but let's talk a little bit about so it's so interesting. I mean, I don't want to say a lot of people don't want to talk about their age, but you seem to be of an age group that has the same story. They discovered the original cast in the movies rather than watching the original series, right? And um, I, I find it so fascinating to, to you know, the idea of like falling for these characters as the as the old characters as opposed to seeing them originally on the TV show. So once you watched this on Netflix, w- w- did you then go and uh, explore next generation
3: or did you go back and watch the original show? W- you know, did it spawn any kind of interest or was it just like, that was cool. I like that. Um, so I had dipped a toe into next gen as a kid, but didn't really know much more than just the basic characters, but from the TOS movies moved on to quite a bit of next gen. And then I just started to want to dabble in everything. I watched most of Voyager, quite a bit of Deep Space Nine, dipped a toe into Enterprise. Um, Didn't really take in a ton of TOS, um, because if I wanted to see that cast, I would just go to the movies, which I kind of contend that movies one through six... They're not an alternate timeline per se, but they really feel like they encompass a whole different vibe, almost like you could believe that they were some kind of like, not quite mirror universe, but kind of like, um, you know, temporal side detour kind of thing. And while TOS is great, and I've certainly watched a lot more of it since... um, I think that, you know, what can I say? People, people really, I think, often fall in love and get anchored to it via Next Gen. And I think that was just like, if the TOS movies were the gateway, TNG was what really made me want to keep on going. Right.
1: And yet, you it's so great because you have a musical number in the play, Spock's Brain. So clearly you're aware of the legacy and, uh, and, and, and the show. I mean, thats I, I think that I haven't heard the song, but it sounds, it's, it sounds like a ton of fun.
3: Actually, so, so yeah, the, Spock's Brain being the title of that song is really indicative of uh, not so much a reference to that episode as it is just an Easter egg that if you know what that means, it tickles you. If you don't, just the name of a song, and we know what happens in the Wrath of Khan. In the movie, uh, Kirk's son David says, oh, we don't have enough time to escape the blast radius unless someone can fix that warp doobly-doo and we see spock just take a quick quick turnout toward the camera and it very quickly you know just sort of seemed to think and then he walks off and we want if you watch it a second or third time you go oh that's when he decided to go into the chamber and kill himself uh, to save the ship but i was like this is a musical that has to be a moment we see him sort of think it through and he just does the calculations Uh, And it's a very synthy song where everybody around him becomes the sound of his brain. So they all keep saying logic. I'm like, you know, and so it's, it's, but, but yeah, calling it Spock's brain, there's not a lot of songs that are intentionally just about a thing. There's not like a red shirt song um, for instance, or a Scotty is Scottish uh, though. There is a song that heavily features Scotty being carnally attracted to the ship. That's a different story, but um, yeah. So, so, there are lots and lots of little Easter eggs that fans will maybe not even laugh at and maybe not even catch the first time, but um, the second time through, they'll go, yo, that's quoting that one thing, you know?
2: So you said, you know, this is a, a musical, so you wanted to hone in on that particular moment. So what makes uh, writing a musical different? How do you decide, you know, these are the moments that the characters need to break into song. Like, this, this needs... Uh, to be dramatized you know, through a, a character singing about their inner life or about whatever. I mean, uh, what what goes into that thought process for you?
3: Um, so there are a couple theories on this. Um, I one of them that's sort of just a you know rule of thumb is when a character's emotions can no longer fit into dialogue, they break into song. When they can no longer fit into words, they break into dance. Now this is a very general not hard and fast rule but structurally from just a technique and structural perspective um, typically the most important or pivotal part of a scene is going to end up being the song Mm -hmm. Um, for instance the uh, scene where Chekhov who's got the worm in his ear speaks to Uh, you know, the the Genesis, we call it the space lab so that non-Trekkies can understand it, but the regular one space station and, you know, lies to them under Khan's control. And it's like that scene, well, we could have made a song where Carol's like, oh, we just need more time to get this done. Or we could have made a song about David, like who's my dad? But it's like, in terms of the plot, (laughs) and there is a lot of plot in this movie. And I really try to, with rare exceptions, hit every plot point. But it's like, okay, the most important part of this scene that moves the plot forward is Khan makes Chekhov lie to the Genesis project team. And that, you know, forwards the motion of the story. However, sometimes it's the emotional core. And Wrath of Khan is a movie where you have Khan pontificating emotionally about his thoughts and sometimes essentially his feelings. But a lot of these characters don't do that. So breaking into song is a way to explore their inner life. For instance, the scene where Kirk gets ambushed by Khan with Khan in Chekhov's ship, the Reliant. Um, In the movie, it's really about, gosh, can Kirk outsmart Khan in time uh, to save the ship? In this version, of course, that's the surface element. But also it's a song about, wow, I haven't been in the captain's chair in a minute. I just now decided to take command and already I'm in combat. Do I still have it? Have I still got that thing that got me through Corbamite? Have I still got that thing that got me out of this or barely got me out of this scrape over here? And so by the end of the song, we find out, yeah, he's basically still got it, but exploring that insecurity, stopping time to have him go, Oh, I used to be good at this. Am I still good at this? So yeah, I think, um, that was a long way around saying, um, typically the most important plot point of a scene or the emotional climax or, you know, of it. And if you can get both bonus points.
1: So what, what was you, the challenge what, of, let me just, uh, uh, the third, because you, you allude to this, the third act of the movie is almost entirely a space battle. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you approach that in a play slash musical, you know, in, and, and I think you, you hit on the idea that you're dealing with the um, emotional, issues that Kirk is wrestling with but you know what what is your approach to sort of dealing with stuff that's uniquely cinematic
3: well so you know this might sound like blasphemy but I've always found the submarine style battle at the end to get a little bit draggy to get a little bit like maybe it's just because I've seen it and I know it's going to happen but it, they are kind of slowly floating and it's a little bit you know it's not quite Mortal Kombat is it but I was like, okay, to your point, how do I dramatize that in a way that the audience can tell what's happening? And I kept thinking submarines. How do you do a submarine thing on stage? And then I thought, well, Khan's a '90s guy, and so you know, as a detour on that, we don't quite, we don't, we don't quite hang a lantern on it. But so many things Khan and Joaquin say are vaguely '90s. He calls Kirk a dickwad. Uh, he. <laughs> He, he craves Olive Garden breadsticks and wonders if they still have them in the 23rd century. Um, but that being said, Khan also, his favorite game and one that made it into the cargo container they lived in is Battleship. Mm. And it's a very earthbound, two-dimensional game that, you know, like, what do they discover in the middle of that battle? Well, Spock points out, he's playing a two-dimensional game. Right. You're a space captain. Use that Z-axis. So basically, um, in my version, Kirk and Khan seem to have an implied psychic connection at that point, just so that they can actually have a battle and and uh, talk to each other, which is very, you know, space fantasy. But um, Khan sort of draws Kirk into this battleship game, and then the board comes out. So we can see where both the ships are and see where they keep almost hitting each other. But Khan's way better at battleship than Kirk. So (laughs) Khan gets off two shots on Kirk and Kirk's in sudden death before he realizes, oh, crap, I'm, (laughs) I'm a space captain. This guy knows earthbound combat so suddenly kirk starts rattling off instead of battleship numbers he rattles off stuff like pie square root of two golden ratio clown emoji and it's really just <laughs> representative of him breaking out of the two-dimensional battleship game and suddenly instead of a flat thing on the battleship board there's a full 3d model that moves right. around um <laughs> and in our version spock moves it around and dances somewhat uh victoriously but um yeah. So that's that's the way I dramatize it, as opposed to the much more subtle and difficult to musically dramatize battle as it happens in the movie.
0: Right. I, I just wanted to know what the uh, uh, you know, some uh, some musicals are uh, are stage with the songs being in the head of the performer. Right. Mm -hmm. And none of the surrounding uh, cast is interacting. Um, Is is that how it is in this? Or uh, is there some form of sort of reality song that is engaging the other players?
3: Uh, It goes back and forth. For instance, the Kobayashi Maru is uh, really Data kind of introducing his musical. Uh, The bridge crew have a cheerleader style sound off. But then Savic has her own inner monologue. But somehow the rest of the crew, they're aware of her and what she's going through. So she right. sings, maybe I'll be the one who could stay calm and sail right through it. And they all go, she's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, then you've got, you know, Kirk's, Kirk has a flashback song called Young, which if you know the movie well, you see how we're probably going to do a callback to that later. But he has a flashback song with the TOS days. And so this is not just in his head, but his entire memory rose tinted of the psychedelically colorful old bridge and the old costumes comes to life in this Austin Powers kind of number. Um, Another example is Peter Preston, who uh, is Scotty's nephew in the director's cut. Um, Instead of just coming in dead in Scotty's arms, well, Data's playing him and Data seems to want a nice tragic death scene. So Peter Preston just like kind of hobbles around the bridge singing this, sort of tropey, tragic death song. So it's everything from inner monologue to absolute dream fantasy to, you know, the, the needs of the many scene where Spock convinces Kirk to take command is actually taking place while Spock does a Vulcan tap dance meditation. And of course, they end up being swept into a buddy number a la Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly. But the whole time, it's still an argument happening in real time Right. That is just a slight expansion of, of the debate they have in that scene in the movie. So it really varies. Well, the, the, the burning the, question the
2: I've got about that is: Does in the show does Kirk sing like Shatner?
3: Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, so I'm uh, I'm a pretty long time composer, and I'm pretty picky about stuff like scansion and prosody, which is a very jargony word that just means if a character would say something a certain way, they have to sing it a certain way. And if you set a word wrong, it can sound very strange. Because if you say banana, it should go something like banana and not banana. Because nobody says it like that. So when you have somebody as quirky as Shatner and you're doing a parody musical, you really gotta nail the, the scansion that he does. So the sheet music of this show is an absolute pain in the ass. for instance, um, when he's thinking about the old days in the middle of that combat scene, the ambush, I'll see if I can do it here. He goes, standoffs, enemy squads, no time, impossible odds. With a trick up my sleeve, I'd win again. But that was all back then. Now, that feels like Shatner, but it's an absolute beast to learn. But it also not. feels
0: like the music man.
3: Sure, that's a great <laughs> point. There is definitely a Harold Hill to Shatner. Nice. And one of the challenges was Bill Shatner does not sing per se most of the time right so it was finding a way to make sure he doesn't just speak sing the whole thing but like what would it sound like if if shatner's kirk sang from his heart um and this goes for everybody i feel like spock typically does uh you know straight apes and quarters even if the music is swinging so if the music is is swinging and he's doing straight notes against it that's very spock Mm -hmm. um And uh, so, yeah, I I really try hard to make sure that these uh, characters sing in a way that feels like the characters from the movie. Unless, of course, not to spoil anything, but unless, of course, you've got one of the few characters that is very different from their movie persona. For instance, uh, Savick and Khan here are very different takes Hmm. on those characters.
1: How... um how much were you uh, trying to avoid making it too inside baseball because obviously off broadway and then presumably you know taking it beyond that um you you want to attract an audience beyond just star trek fans so was that a challenge to make sure that it didn't fall too much into oh you know star trek fans get it but you know is the average musical theater goer going to you know uh, be able to appreciate this contextually
3: yeah i i have um this has been a struggle that has paid off uh, the first draft was completed in early 2019. Since then, we've had seven real-time airings. They're all different ways of doing it, so that's the only way I can name them all, but a table read in front of a bunch of people, uh, a reading where we had pre-recorded music, but live dialogue, multiple readings, and I found early on that I, I didn't like the disparity between enjoyment by Trekkies and by non-trekkies or casual trekkies Mm -hmm. so i kind of had a choice to make and you know like because of my uh, online media producer career of my you know 20s i've been to many 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 nerd conventions and i had to kind of go okay do i want to do a show that would only kill at a nerd convention or do i really want whoever what whoever you know the date that got dragged along or the friend that got dragged along to the show do i want them to have a good time the formula i've come to is that something along the lines of 80% of the jokes can function as fun or funny or absurdist words or dialogue, even if you don't get them? For instance, in a song called When the Chickens Come Home, where Kirk considers whether or not he did the right thing and whether or not his record is truly pristine, he says, You thought your record was pristine. Well, a double dumbass on you. Now, People don't necessarily know what that means contextually, but if somebody is talking to themselves, it's essentially in a mirror and says double dumbass on you. It's just a weird way of saying you're not so bright. That wasn't so smart of you. Right. Um, And many, many things are like that. And also, you know, it touches on things that even if you don't get that it's from the movie, it's still funny in the context of the show. Like, when Scotty brings Peter Preston to the bridge for that dramatic moment. Well, you know, after he dies, Kirk says, you know, okay, Scotty, take him to sick bay. And Uhura goes, should have taken him to sick bay first instead of the <laughs> bridge, but I guess that's none of my business. And so if you've watched the show, even if you don't know Khan or, or Star Trek at all, that's still a funny thing because, yeah. you know, it, it is kind of like, oh yeah, that was pretty dumb um so yeah it's it is certainly things like calling a song spock's brain and just certain gags like kirk when he's giving the inspirational speech to the cadets on the intercom he's like part of being on the enterprise is always somehow being the only ship in range of whatever the hell's going on today so you know and like that's just that's a gag that i feel like makes sense even to non-trekkies because it's a trope it's a trope of Um, You know, movie franchises bend over backwards and have contrived pretexts to get into fun scrapes and adventures. So, yeah, yeah, about I'd say 20 percent of the jokes probably aren't immediately clear to non-trekkies or super casuals. But I try to make sure that the rest are fun enough that everybody's having fun on some level. And just to put a bow on that, there are a lot of musical theater jokes. So mm-hmm. it's really even if somebody's not a trekkie, but they are a musical theater fan, there are Easter eggs left and right and data's you know data is the bot we fed a hundred or you know a, the bot we forced to watch a thousand hours of musical theater. So he's regurgitating <laughs> tropes that he doesn't even realize are fully borrowing from classic musical theater moments. So if a Trekkie doesn't know those moments, well, it still makes sense like In Chicago, the musical Chicago, uh, the sleazy lawyer, Billy Flynn puts Roxy, his murderous client on his lap, and he sings and she mouths because really he's feeding her everything to say. So we do that with Chekhov and Khan. When Chekhov's doing the hyperspace Skype with the Genesis project people, Khan is singing as Chekhov and Chekhov is sort of a ventriloquist (laughs) dummy moving around. Even if you don't know that's from Chicago, it makes sense in context. And I'm trying to do that in kind of both directions in a way that keeps everybody pretty happy.
1: Right. Right. What were the challenges of casting? Because obviously it's a very iconic ensemble in the movies and the TV show. So when you're doing, you need to find people who can sing, who are available, who work for the, you know, what you can pay them, but also who evoke the feelings of these classic characters. So what was that process like?
3: Oh man, not easy because on top of everything else, um, you know, off-Broadway is part of, the reason, part of the reason they say New York City, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. is because so, everything's so expensive and prohibitive here. So you have to make everything as affordable as possible. Um, and therefore, we had to shrink the cast of this movie that probably has 30 named characters down to eight. So you've got Uhura doubling with Carol Marcus, Chekhov doubling with Sulu, Bones doubling with Scotty. Um, Spock is uh, an invented character named Commander Redshirt, who replaces Terrell, because we we were a little uncomfortable with how the Terrell story plays out on stage and went, let's just do a redshirt gag. But the only people that don't double anyone are Kirk and Khan. Mm. Um, so now you've got the the issue of whitewashing. You really don't want to whitewash historically, uh, you know, like BIPOC characters like Sulu and Uhura. So now it's like we have to tick the boxes of can this, is this Sulu Asian? Is their uh, vocal range correct? Can they do a Russian accent to also be Chekhov? Can they do a George Takei? And can they do all these things well enough? Um, And so, yeah, uh, casting was very, very difficult because we would have people that it's like, oh man. This would be such an amazing Uhura. She really, we just really aren't buying her as Carol Marcus. Or, um, she's you know, she's got, uh, for instance, um, we were looking at swings, which a swing is somebody that understudies multiple characters. Very right. hard to find a swing who feels like they could pull off a Savic, but also has the maturity to feel like a Carol Marcus and an Uhura. So, um, It's who, you know, who at this point in the story are uh, on the order of mid-40s to early 50s. -hmm. And um, we got a great cast. We got very lucky with certain people. Um, You know, everyone in the cast is amazing, but I think some of our really moonshot finds included uh, Shy, who plays Kirk, who just is a longtime cosplayer, impersonator. He also was on... Um, oh I forget what it was called but like a youtube um, a youtube fan fiction continuation yeah. of 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 uh, Star Trek he was, was the phase He was in, He was
0: in uh, phase 2 New
3: Voyages yeah I, right. I, I I I knew I knew him yes I know yeah, I kept thinking Star Trek continues but it wasn't that one but oh, it was like kind no. of yeah but um so he played Sulu there but I think he always enjoyed Kirk and Khan and like honor sure on a look alike show he probably would never get cast as kirk but here one fun thing about it is these are all holograms none of these mm. characters are real people so it's almost like he just And Dana didn't know it. them either. So he doesn't really know what they were like. <laughs> right. And he's he's, you know, like even m- making it clear there are historical inaccuracies because you get to do that in musicals like, yeah. you know, Lin- like he he cites former president Lin Mel Min- oh gosh, let me give that one more try. He cites <laughs> former president Lin Manuel Miranda as yeah. as a reason that it's okay to have historical inaccuracies. <laughs> And uh, but I don't think he quite thinks of it in terms of skin color uh, Maybe that's yeah. a bit of a stretch based on what real data would do, but I think it's a way for us to you know shy is uh, of Thai descent, uh, yeah. like Thailand. and there are people you know um, there's a certain kind of person that would go oh that's a that's a woke agenda thing. oh you just you know you're forcing diversity. shy came in and blew us away yeah. there was nobody close by a mile and um he did this thing in the audition where he said there, there was a random uh, sh- uh music stand over on the side of this rehearsal studio we rented and he said could I could I just use this and we say sure and he he leans on this music stand in a way that was so Shatner so Kirk <laughs> and he, at one point kind of th- he's considering the rest of his line and of knocks on it and we're just like this guy really knows his <laughs> shit
2: wow no that's um, that chat
3: chatner yeah yeah he, <laughs> <laughs> he uh and and our data you know in an earlier draft of the of the show data was more of just a narrator uh who wrote the show himself but when we had to shrink the cast i went oh let's make data like basically either the lead or the second lead let's have him play all the most like exaggeratable characters in the thing and thereby he's sort of doing that thing he did in the episode where he plays scrooge in a holodeck theatrical production for picard so he plays david kirk's son he plays him with a thick shatner dialect he plays peter preston who's very cockney and like almost like a little street urchin in this one (laughs) Oh, permission to perish <laughs> tragically admiral um and uh he also plays joaquin who uh in the movie you know like has a nice uh shock of blonde hair and so he kind of plays him a little bit like a surfer dude but he also has to do a good brent spiner and kind of look like data so again mm-hmm. moonshot but we got him and he is probably the most favorite of all the critics in terms of just because he's so versatile and he nails each one of these characters. You got Brent, didn't you? I, honestly, we I, you know picard is a voiceover cameo in the show i'm just waiting for brent spiner to be like can i just can i just record my patrick stewart impression that's a that's a dream of mine well because
0: of course brent has a has a big history uh, on broadway and he he was uh, friends with steven sondheim and uh you know all this uh, great performances in the early 70s and uh, 80s so. oh yeah
1: what surprised you the most about the response since you've opened, both critically and fans and just, you know, what, what has surprised you uh, in terms of the response?
3: Um, I'll go with the positive and I'll go with the negative. And keeping in mind, I'm very happy with all this, but let's get into some juicy stuff, you know, instead of just fluffing the show for an hour. Uh, so the good stuff is I, I, I thought that the sort of chintziness of the production was going to turn some people off. Uh, I will be honest with you. We lost uh, our set designer who was hired a bit late in the process. He came in, measured the entire theater with, uh, you know, the entire playing space with a tape measure. He was very, well, it doesn't matter how he was, but the point is that he didn't didn't seem incredibly enthused. And then a guy we already hired a bit late in the process just quit. And so we were, you know, now the director, the producer, me, and a friend of the producer who's done set design before all kind of had to scramble with like actual just weeks left. Mm. Um, I'm proud to say I uh, designed the Genesis missile by accident. Um, There is a Sega Genesis uh, joke in it. So it kind of, it's a sight (laughs) gag where it looks kind of like a Sega Genesis hooked up to a missile. And I had made that on Photoshop last year, just going, "Eh, I wonder what that would look like. We were in such a scramble that the set designer we got was like, so what did that look like? And suddenly, the next couple of days after that, it was like, "Oh, that's now painted onto a piece of wood in the shape of a missile." Wonderful. Nice. Um, but anyway, uh, your question was okay. So the fact is that you know, professional theater critics who see much more expensive shows and Broadway shows really embraced the low budgetness of it. We don't really have a photorealistic set. It's very functional. It doesn't look much like the original bridge, but what we do have is the holodeck grid in the background, which acts mm. as a cyclorama for all different kinds of colors of light. And even though the set looks cheap, that was something that was embraced and celebrated even, almost like Data didn't know how to make a better set. Mm. By putting on a good show, The we allowed the audience to fill in the gaps of why it looked that way. Um, the thing that I didn't see coming is that the lyrics well i you know so whereas the lyrics get praised and the barrage of jokes references and just things washing over you get praised the actual tunes themselves have been called quote forgettable serviceable and uh snappy but snappy doesn't mean you know catchy (laughs) and so i i have a hypothesis either the music's just not particularly hummable that could be it and that puts me on the shelf with like some you know not every not every good musical has a score full of hummable tunes but i think i may may have made a mistake where data has a whole monologue about how he's stealing he realizes he's borrowed a little too much from other musicals and says maybe i should weave smaller pieces of other things pre-existing songs together until the blatant theft, while still blatant, is less noticeable. And he cocks his head and says, well, he is
1: AI. Yeah.
3: Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And then he cocks his head and says, I believe I have just become a composer. Um, And (laughs) so, so the thing is that he says that. And then later in the show, Picard, it turns out Picard, spoiler alert, Picard has been listening to the musical in a, in a strangely, uh, what's the word I want to use, voyeuristic move mm-hmm. for Picard. He's been listening to Data's musical play out through his communicator and congratulates him, says he's proud of him, and says, your, your musical is, well, you know, it's quite serviceable. And the fact that serviceable was used by critics to talk about the score made me go, oh, shit, I gave you all the ingredients. Wow. So it, it may be that the score is just telling a story so, so... um quickly and voraciously and impatiently even that the music doesn't get time to breathe it may be that you really need to hear it a second time or it may be that it's just not the catchiest score but i do feel like i was hosted hoisted by my own um picard, we'll picard. Here, thank picard. you. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so those have been two surprises in the in the critique so far well Did
1: did you at any point uh, talk to Nick Meyer or hear anything from Nick Meyer? Uh, It seems like the kind of thing he, you know, being uh, the way Nick is, it seems like something he'd be very interested and appreciative of just in terms of uh, the legacy of this film.
3: I've periodically pestered him on Twitter when he'll talk about Khan and link to the show. But the thing is that um, I don't believe my PR. uh, I say my, my, the producer's PR firm has reached out to him. And honestly, We're a little skittish because while I don't think he could single-handedly shut the show down, he is either in the process of or is currently releasing a sort of, um, I think, a midquel podcast about how, or maybe it's a prequel, I forget, but it's a podcast about a a story in Khan's life that I don't think there's an actual canonical version of. Yeah, it's in between Um, the series and the movie. Gotcha. I'm curious whether it's going to be similar to the ruling in hell comic series. Um, but something tells me Nicholas Meyer will do his own thing with it. I'd love, I'm curious to if to it ever show. happens. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd really, honestly, I think the, 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 the Trek TV alums that are truly into the franchise and not just going to conventions to sign autographs and God bless them too. I, you know, um, but I think the ones that are really still into Trek as a franchise. If just one of them would come check out the show, I feel like it would be like wildfire. But as you can imagine, the phrase Star Trek parody musical sounds extremely cringe. It sounds like almost definitely bad. Um, But I I can brag that we have Bonnie Gordon, the voice of the prodigy ship's computer, doing a uh, cameo in the show. She's actually an associate of mine once again from my nerdy convention days because she writes comedy music as well. I think Great. that might and have then, answered your question Yeah, <laughs> Not and you're, you're yet though <laughs> you're, you're, the, the play
1: runs another couple of weeks in New York Do you have plans beyond uh, The New York engagement Or do you know if you'll be extending the run Just for people who want to come and check out the And see the show
3: um, Extending is uh, Unfortunately not an option Because we are in a residency program Of this theater that caps at five weeks mm. um, And so You know with the nature of this production, I also feel like a transfer we'll see. Right. Uh, but I think as opposed to an extension or a transfer, what I'd like to do is, uh, retool it slightly, see about the possibility of a slightly more, I mean, this was the prototype. If the mm-hmm. prototype works, then you see what you can do with a, a slightly more, um, upgraded product and, The way that will uh, come out, I cannot say, but I would be surprised if this does not come back in New York City. It could tour. I think at some point an album would be called for. Um, But to me, the possibilities are endless. I want this to be translated to German. I want this to be a pro shot on Netflix. You know, like, will all these things happen? No. But to me, it's like, (laughs) it's not so much planned at this point as... Um near infinite hopes and desires. Have
0: you uh, have you already recorded or you are planning to record it? I mean um, visual visually and orally.
3: There are we have made and are gonna continue to make a little bit of archival footage, but again, it's kind of like if I know I'm gonna slightly revise the dialogue and lyrics, and if I know that the production values of this production aren't sort of the Uh, what I would consider the final form of the show, then the risk in putting video out or a recording of any kind is that people fall in love with this version. And if you do what you consider as an upgrade or a revision, now they hate that version. They like the old version. They want the old words. Um, They don't like the new costumes. But if you give them a good show, they'll sink their teeth into that. So for now, I think that's going to stay archival. Hmm. Should the show sort of blow up at some point, it might be fun to look back on, you know, the the version from before. But I think at this point, our goal is um, ride out this production um, and have as many people see it and enjoy it as possible. Get some, you know, some press, some good reviews and and then basically, you know, go back to the drawing board on, OK, we've done this. We've got the prototype. What can we do and what's the best path to get this? where it's, you know, where it's going to ultimately lead to licensing um, being something right. that your local community theater, your, you know, a high school, there could be a PG version for high schools, international, what's going to be the path that gets us to that?
1: Right. And the search for Spock musical, which I know you're dying to <laughs> get jump into.
3: <laughs> I would love to see a musical of just up until they fly off with the the ship and have sabotaged the transwarp ship. If you could basically like have the finale be Spock, uh, no, have the finale be Scotty handing the the you know stolen parts of that ship to Bones, I'd I'd watch that. I don't know if I'd write it, but to me, the rest of that show would be a little. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I want Krug to break out into song. I'm not sure he needs to sing from his heart. Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Um look you have accomplished something that almost nobody really truly gets to accomplish you have written and produced successfully uh, a show off broadway on broadway doesn't matter you've done it it came from your head onto the page onto the stage whether it's 5 weeks and that's it and you're done or it's a tour and more doesn't matter you've done these things but at what point when you were sitting down And you were starting to write this thing. Did you like, what point did you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and to paraphrase Brad Pitt in Seven, did you say,
3: do you know you're crazy? Like, did you just, (laughs) when did you have that moment? Well, okay, so I will say that um, my career, such as it is, has basically been a series of things that the world very much did not ask for for which there was no slot no hiring application um my and this all sounds like a flex but i think it leads to an answer to your question you know i I just started adding lyrics to video game tunes the way that weird al would change the lyrics to pop songs that became uh, a nearly half million subscribed youtube channel with multiple charting albums um i made a video game uh that's kind of like the jackbox games and it was my first one but I teamed up with the right team and it's done pretty well um and each time I uh there's a moment that I call myself Schrodinger's shithead where it's like either this is a brilliant idea that's gonna absolutely you know like cause a sensation or I'm gonna fall on my face and it's going to be like what were you thinking man so what I try to do is announce and constantly talk about projects as I'm making them so that I'm so scared for these things to be a letdown that in the final crunch, I really make sure they're high quality. Um, And, you know, not everything I've done has been uh, a huge smash. Not everything I've done has been up to my own standards because, you know, creatively speaking, if you're cranking stuff out and making a living from it, there comes a point where you may just need to sleep or you may just need to take the rest of the night off and get a cheesesteak. Um, so, which was when I lived near a cheesesteak place in Philly during the early writing of this show, that was a common a, a common experience. Nice. But I'll tell you in a way that slightly subverts your question, there was one moment that sticks out as a turning point. Um, there's a convention called MarsCon in Minnesota, and they are the rare sci-fi convention that leans so heavily into their filk kind of, you know, AKA nerdy, comedy music uh, uh, scene that they have an entire Dr. Demento track where they have filk and parody music in its own mini con within a sci-fi con. They invited me as a guest in 2018 to do my mostly video game parody stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was there and thinking, wait a minute, I'm going to do a nearly hour long set And at that point, I had two songs. I had Kirk's big flashback number and I had the one where Khan ambushes the ship. So Quick Like a Bunny, I took those demos and I cut them up, uh, or rather I chopped up footage from the film to match what was happening in the songs Mm -hmm. and uh, put subtitles and made these little karaoke tracks. And so in that set, I sang both of my Kirk songs um, and they were head and shoulders above any other response to any other song I did. And the turning point was I had my three, you know, uh, charting on the iTunes comedy charts is not exactly the, uh, the hot 100 pop albums, but it's still a, and a you're not Taylor
1: type. Swift, right?
3: Yeah, that's correct. Not yet. Um, That's the next one. Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, no, I was sitting there with my three albums, which have done very well, which I am pretty proud of. Uh, at my merch table and multiple people would come up and without a word, they would flip over the little models on the table and look through the track list and say something like, where are the star Trek songs? And I would say, Oh, that's just a show in development. And they'd go, Oh, well we look forward to an album of that and just walk off. They didn't (laughs) want anything else. They were ready to pay me money for this show Mm -hmm. uh, such as it was at the time, but nothing else. And I went, i think there's something to this that was early 2018 and i had a finished draft in under a year after that
1: wow Wow. amazing well brent how can people who want to see the show in its remaining weeks uh where can they go to get tickets and uh how how would they go about seeing the show in new york okay so
3: every piece of information you need is at conthemusical.com, k-h-a-n though we did buy the uh the url for the people that uh, misspell it because it always happens K-A-H-N right. will K-A-H-N also work yep. mm-hmm. which boys. used to
0: be the Sammy Kahn
3: uh, uh, b- webcast <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yeah conthemusical.com and uh, the venue is the Players Theater, it is an off-Broadway space in the West Village of New York City near the NYU area we run weekends Thursday through Sunday including a Saturday matinee through Sunday, June 4th uh, tickets start at $25, and it's just a really good time. So I think that's all the information. Other than that, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all under Con the Musical, where you'll see some additional in, uh, fun stuff like our collaboration with Midtown Comics, pictures of the uh, the show and the set and the costumes. So check it out. I wish we could make it to New
1: York uh, to see it. So I hope uh, the play has a future beyond uh, its off Broadway engagement. If not, we will be there for the final Frontier play where Cybok and Kirk uh, sing to God. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> what does God need That's, The
2: Starship? is the big Yeah, what does God need
1: with Starship? That's my favorite, be my favorite cue. You haven't written it yet, but I can tell you already it's my favorite cue from that play. So I right, uh, need well, my pain. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, everyone hides the secret pain. Uh, Brent, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the play, and we hope it's a great uh, next few weeks before uh, uh, your engagement ends. But I, I, I'm, you know, this is it sounds terrific, and we're we're delighted to have you join us today.
3: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I think Brent answered a lot of our questions about Absolutely. musical. And and now we know everything we ever wanted to know and, and more about Khan's musical. It doesn't seem to be a con job after all. No. No, he, he's like <laughs> a legitimate fan. Because yeah, I yeah. was curious, is it somebody trying to cash in on Star Trek fandom? Right. You know, or is it somebody who is a genuine fan? And uh, much to my uh, delight, uh, you know, obviously Brent's a, Brent's a real fan. Well, obviously the first thing I thought about was uh, from years ago, there was a
0: uh, a uh, a stage show in London Uh, that was Thunderbirds. Uh, and it was making fun of the uh, Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds show. Mm. And it was, it was just making fun of it. It wasn't, it wasn't through love or anything. It was just sort of, uh, Hey, look how stupid this is. Mm. Um, and that's what I was afraid of for this project. But I'm happy to hear he was this. afraid. It, it isn't like that. He's afraid.
2: <laughs> He's afraid. It's what I
0: appreciated most about him.
2: Is uh, it's not just that he was a, a fan. There are lots of fans who have lots of great ideas, and they'll write fan fiction and they'll do right. what have you. But it takes a particular dedication um, and a particular sort of talent and stick to itiveness. To devise, divine, create, build, uh, execute something of this scale, um, something that will stand on its own, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's just that to me is the sort of person, the sort of fan that we should be holding up and we should be lauding. Whether or not, like, if we went to see it, and we didn't like it, I would still say, look at this guy, you know, as the model of the kind of fan that you want to be if you're creative. If you if you want to make look a look at creative it, there it sits. Waiting.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, by the way, uh, you know, a a lot of us who would like to see the play who aren't in New York are disappointed, but we're going to get our revenge because revenge is coming up in uh, July uh, here in Los Angeles. The Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences is showing on the big screen the Black Hole. Oh yeah, can't top that. Jealous, I'm going to miss that. Wouldn't try to. <laughs> so if you're a black hole fan like us, <laughs> you want to go to He's the, using uh, the Royal Arts motion, <laughs> motion Picture Arts and Sciences and uh, get your tickets because no doubt that's gonna sell out. It's gonna be jam-packed. <laughs> jam-packed with at least six or seven people. Um <laughs> so Darren, yeah earlier in the podcast I asked you um <laughs> I asked you if you could do any any Star Trek musical what would it be? And you say, I'm going to wait until after the podcast. So I'm asking, I'm asking you now. Because I I didn't, I didn't
0: want to accidentally give Brent the idea. Um, (laughs) Because it's, it's something very special to me. And it's uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, the musical. Uh, And of course, one of the great songs and it is, uh, how do you solve a problem like Ilea? (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: um, and it's 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 really a uh, it's a pastiche of uh, broadway tunes and uh really expensive visual effects um and uh i i think it's going to be amazing can't wait
1: i'm so there <laughs> love it <laughs> i'm there wow can't wait for that sonic shower scene um no that's 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 great well, uh, the, the, one of the
0: great things in in the in the main song is that uh, how do you catch a cloud and pin it down? See,
1: <laughs> it's all related. It's all related.
0: That is hysterical. And plus, the original was directed by Robert Wise. So you see, mm-hmm. it's all a big thing. It's all.
1: can All connected. It's all, it's all con- connected. It's all connected, man. <laughs> all connected, man. It's, it's, Darren it's,
2: Docterman's a warrior poet, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> sure. That's funny. It'll be better than the Apocalypse Now musical in Rushmore, uh, which wasn't really Apocalypse Now, but I like I'm to think of it button. as that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that it's um it's so interesting, and um, you know, I'll be curious to see uh, if Con um, the musical has a future beyond its current New York engagement. Because like, i I'd love to, I'd love to see it. I'd love to know. I'd yeah. love to to, to to check it out, especially after hearing Brent talk about it. So interesting. Uh, Talking to Brent because Brent is something I find more and more often with uh, the younger fans we talk to, right? um, That they discovered uh, the classic track through the movies and not through a different point in
0: the timeline. And it's
1: Mm -hmm. it's fascinating how they react to it. That's Mm -hmm.
2: that's Caden. I mean, he got introduced to track through the Star Trek movies. Through he's seen two, four motion picture. He loves them all. He sampled Next Generation fine, um, but uh, he just he just loves the original series because
1: of those movies. I don't know if I would have become a Next Generation fan had I not been a fan of the original series. Like, if I had just mm-hmm. started watching Next Generation. If I'd started watching Next
0: Generation from the second season, uh, I might have. But certainly not through that first season.
1: I don't. I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It, 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 it's so interesting though, because you know Steve Asbell was like that. He yeah. he saw. Uh, he fell in love with it. A couple of our guests, uh, I know that they discovered it with Star Trek too. The um, uh, Brian Weiss from the Cell Company. Mm-hmm. Um, he also discovered the. You know, a lot of people discovered with the movies, and the movies are like their Star Trek. Well, the original movies. These these kids today. You never. <laughs> <read them. laughs> It's amazing I don't because think I know, <laughs> I know we all enjoy the movies, some more than others, obviously. Yeah. But to us, you know, the best of the movies was never as good as the best of the TV show. That's absolutely true. You know, and so it's so it's so interesting. Speaking of, by the way, you mentioned Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I see a good friend of mine, um, Mark Guggenheim, is doing the Star Trek: The Motion Picture comic for IDW. Have you read that yet? I haven't seen. I'm gonna. I am going i have
0: not read any. I, I I've never been up on the comics. So no, like, I, I usually but, miss all this stuff, but I, it's certainly interesting enough for me to pick it up.
1: That I, I had the same feeling. Like I don't read the comic; I've read the comics in a long time. But when I saw they were doing a Star Trek the Motion Picture comic, um, and Mark was doing it, I was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta check that out. I, I'm gonna pick it up." You know. Um So <laughs> well, anyway, that, that so, killed that discussion. Nah, <laughs> just, I just—I was curious. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's read it. Nobody's read it. Haven't read it. Nobody, nobody's read but it. I didn't although I enjoy doing it. it, so I'll read it. I enjoyed that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with Glenn uh, about uh, his run on the Star Trek, the motion picture comic yeah. from Marvel. That was an interesting episode. Um, we got a busy summer, don't we, guys, coming up? Oh it's going to be crazy. It's yeah. going to be uh, more more crazy for uh, for
0: at least one of us because I have stuff going on in June. What are you uh, doing in June, Darren? I'm, I'm going out to uh, uh, Wonderfest in uh, Louisville, Kentucky.
1: Mm, uh, which is a, that's the a model big, building convention. It's a right? model
0: building convention, but it's also a lot more. And uh, I'm going to see our our friend uh, Bill George there, and a bunch love of, that guy, and Kirk Thatcher, and a bunch of other people from ILM, and they're having a big celebration of Return of the Jedi uh, on its fortieth
1: uh, anniversary. That movie's
0: looking better and better all the time. <laughs> well, I told you when the when the uh, uh, they started releasing the prequels, I was saying, you know what? Pretty soon you're going to be begging for Ewoks. And I was <laughs> proven right. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny. My I was showing uh, my son uh, uh, my old Galactic Journals, um, so he started reading a review I wrote a Jedi in eighty uh-huh. three, and he couldn't stop making fun of me. It was wow. so funny. It was it was it, maybe one day I'll read it, but everything he thought was just so funny. And I was much more charitable to it than I remembered, which upset me to no end. <laughs> uh, and he called me out on it, but. Uh, um, well, isn't he, it
2: better he... that at that age you were writing about something that you loved than you were committing the ink to paper on something that you hated?
1: I mean, I'd so. much rather. I look, I that. never hated Jedi. I just yeah. uh, think it's, you know, uh, um, it was not a satisfying way to resolve the trilogy and it's God, not nearly as good as Star I, Wars I'd Empire, be interested but... to read an updated uh, uh, column
0: by uh, Dana Gould and uh, uh, and uh, our, our friend uh, Dan Weber. Dan Weber um about how they John feel Burke. about jedi now yeah how do you like me now because of course yeah. back in the day they did the 50
1: reasons to hate return of the jedi no that was not what it was called it was two re- it's 50 reasons why return of the jedi sucks oh well okay yeah big difference but, uh <laughs> but uh they were they were not wrong
0: they were not wrong but you know in in retrospect
1: maybe they would soften their opinion Isaac started making fun of me for praising Richard Marquand's direction. And I was mortified. Ooh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: I'm with him on that. He's he's
1: right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't even know why I mentioned he I'm trying I mean, to talk about a sock. Up, but
2: you know what? You just got to talk through your trauma sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we're here for you, um, man. So you're going to WonderCon, and then uh, where else will you be this summer? Oh, it's wonderfest. 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 A oh, wonderfest. Wonderfest. Chosen. Sounds Wondershosen. wonderful.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, just the, uh, Sort of preparing for June,
1: yeah. June. I mean, preparing for July, which right? July's a, a crazy Huge. bunch because it to uh, be like
0: up in
2: the air. Only different
1: starts with San Diego Comic Con, right. followed by Rolla. Rally. Raleigh, 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 Raleigh. <laughs> in North Carolina, it's and like uh, saying, I'm then I'm sorry, going to be in Las Vegas. And uh and then uh, we're going to uh we're going to Austin over Labor Day. And you know it's funny because people have said to me, What, what is with that, the, the green MMs? Do you really want green MMs in your and I said I said I don't even like MMs. I want bunch of crunch. That's my yeah. de- that it, is my it's demand. It's not about
0: what you want, it's what you want to put them through. That's
2: right. So <laughs> no, really I'm it about. is it's about apparently it's about making sure that they've read the contractual writers. That's yeah, true. It's evidence that they have actually read it. If they, that's do true. Silly Cause I'm
1: not a big m M&M fan, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not, I don't really, I've never loved. You know, the I M&Ms, liked a lot of his will.
2: early work, but then I thought he kind of sold out.
1: <laughs> I, I'll I'll never forgive, forgive them for uh, making my boy eat them all the time. He loves his M&Ms. I'm Aww. not a big M&M fan, Aww. but uh well, you know, Eminem, speaking to the Eminem, you, you were just alluding to, um, he was supposed to do uh Half Gun Will Travel as his follow-up movie to um um the, the Eight Mile? Eight Mile, yeah, and it never happened. I would what? like to have seen that. Yeah. That's I think that's gonna a be crazy. Memory, though, theme song, man, the that as awesome. Yeah, he was attached for a while, so was John Travolta. Oh my god. I really would love to do it as a TV series. It's you... funny because I when I Told, talked to Paramount Plus about it. They said, uh, you know, we're not interested in Westerns. This was a couple of years ago. Right. And, and now uh, Yellowstone. And yep. now it's like, I wonder if I could go back and get yeah, after the strike and get to uh, convince them to do Have come will travel. Because I would love to do that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. Love it. And and you could use the original scripts too. Why would you do the original scripts? there? are half hour. The because part. no one has seen the show. Yeah. People have seen. I've seen the show.
2: Yeah, As but you're different. That's that's like Biff, like getting like all of the baseball scores. Right. You know who did that?
1: Remember during the the strike in 87? They did they did um, Mission Alfred Impossible. Hitchcock Presents with the original yeah. scripts. It was not yeah. good.
0: Well, not that's because they didn't have good directors.
1: And they did Mission Impossible in Australia. That's right. Wasn't Jay Badler in that? I, I never saw it. Thank God. Oh, I did. It was uh, But Peter Graves, they got Peter Graves back. But just just jumping back one second.
0: You mentioned the M&M's thing. For when I directed my uh, uh, episode of uh, the fan film Phase Two, um, I got I got a whole bunch of custom M and M's uh, with uh, different colors. They they were the you know the three colors of Starfleet: the mm. gold, the red, and the blue. Oh, that's funny. And uh, I had I had printed on them L uh, L A P, break a leg. Oh, nice! Uh, and and I gave him out to the, all the uh, all the cast members. You're class the, act, Darren. Well, that's why everybody loves you. I try to be, but I, it was fun. It was fun, and I like I like <laughs> That's that's that's
1: that's good. But good. good. That's it's wonderful. That's think. Clark. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did you know that Sulu from your film was uh, from your Star Trek film was in uh, the play? He wasn't in mine. He was in uh, oh. uh, in. Uh,
0: Uh, one that was after mine, but I I knew of him and he was a, he's a good guy. Um, But uh, I I read the cast list uh, last night and I discovered it. So that was uh, a fun,
1: uh, a fun surprise. I love what he said. We weren't trying to be woke. We just wanted to cast the best guy. Yeah. Right. And so they they cast an Asian actor because he was the best guy. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. That's great. (laughs) Why <laughs> Ashley's grinning. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean I just it's, it's, no, no, it's it. like we weren't you know we weren't trying to check off a checklist, we were just casting the best people. Yeah, I was we wanted weren't wanted to trying to check, check, check off not it's not to check one trying to check a tough role to cast
2: for having a Russian accent that was too good. Right. Uh you know what I mean? Or yeah, you know, there's all kinds of things you have to think about. But
1: yeah. not nah, but I I'm I'm disappointed we don't get to see the play. But uh I think yeah, it'll I be do. interesting. You know, fun. Maybe we'll get to see uh, um, Dr. Crusher's play. She's always doing plays on the Enterprise. She should have been the one putting the play together. Dr. Crusher. Remember, she was always trying to get people to be in her plays. Crusher, like, I don't even reason. know. Could you imagine the original right. Star Trek? It's like, you know. Oh, we're trying to do a play on the rec deck other than conscience of the king, Other than conscience makes, of the king. but that was a professional, but they were professional troop. actors. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that was because, you know, the original series wasn't trying to fill the episodes with B stories about the ensemble cast. Because That's correct. The ensemble cast was not really an ensemble cast.
1: They were day they, players, but yeah. they, they refused to, <laughs> to this day, they refuse to acknowledge that fact. <laughs> and you know, how much more interesting was it when you just focused on the main characters? I personally, I thought it was a lot more interesting. Yeah, but, and, uh, I mean, because I, I we've said this. I mean, every time they did a Scotty episode or a, you know, one of the other characters, it just it wasn't that great. Didn't feel, didn't feel good.
2: What's all this good? talk about Ian?
1: <laughs> oh man, I, I Wolf in anyway. the Fold. Wolf in the Fold was on, um, uh, on uh, recently on the Pluto, and it still not that great. Well, did you did
0: you realize <laughs> it that the hasn't uh, aged like wine. That no. the uh, the balding head of the planet was also uh, uh, the uh, computer from uh, from Day of the Archons.
1: I did not return of the that. Return
0: of the Archons. He now was I Landrew. Know. He was the same actor who played Landrew. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not
1: know that. I did not know that. Now you know. Now did you I you know I know. walk I look I run into people on the street and I say Hey, Mark, how are you? And I'm like I have no idea who they are. So for me to <laughs> realize that would be very would be a stretch. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense now that you say it, but I... Oh, I you've never made that. eye contact with Landry. I know, I was... Much I like down, all of our I <laughs> listeners. I bowed down to the Landry. Landry so I wasn't looking up.
2: That was crazy.
1: <laughs> I should have been Stupid looking up that Landry. day. I'm a little concerned about Vegas, obviously, with the scooters everywhere. But it's GalaxyCon, there are not a lot you of people in scooters. You'll be I hit by a Landra speeder. But I'm I'm worried about Vegas, because like everyone their mother is in a freaking scooter in Vegas, and it's like... I got to be very careful. I mean, I, I that really messed me up. Leave I, my mother out I, of this. I hate those scooters. And and then the Rio, Never it's just like me. these long, long hallways, and they they you know they they pick up speed. They think they're doing Fast and the Furious in scooters or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's my it's family. <laughs> like, shut up, stay away from me.
0: I still want to make it's you shiny. that T-shirt with the target
1: on you. No. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the Star Wars targeting computer, except it's yeah. like a little scooter. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: you know, I'm on the leader. <laughs> like, <great. laughs> wow. Anyway, well, this was fun. It was good to have Brent on the show. Um, interesting. Great. I don't, you know, I don't know how many people are really uh, you know, talking to him. Unlike Dave Blass, who we had on the other week, who I love and I thought was a great show. Who apparently is talking to everyone. I, I, I every time I open my uh, the social, it says, "Oh, Dave Blass is." T-. I'm like, I don't. We got an exclusive. What's going on? Well, we had like an exclusive that. for the time that he was here with us. Yeah, for the yeah, so. for for the day that he we did the episode. It's dropped, a it was exclusive.
2: Seriously, uh,
1: I like that Dave Blast. He's a good egg. He's a, he good, egg. a good egg. And he, and I like he deserves he said, oh, his yeah. time in the sun. He because, does. you know, I, I like that he treated you well, Darren. Well, sure. It was long distance. So he had no choice. <laughs> you know, if people are mean to our Darren, there's no telling what we're capable of, Ashley. Uh,
2: no telling at all. Yeah. It might just be so, so, evil. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Trek Experts. Um, if you want to follow us on social, Inglorious Trek at Twitter, Inglorious Trek Experts on Facebook, please uh, rate us five stars wherever you listen to um, podcasts. Bring new people to the show, and um, also you can um, uh, um, subscribe and get uh, bonus episodes of Deck Seventy Eight at trekspertsplus.com. Or if you are interested in some really cool Trek Experts merchandise and swag, go to IngloriousTrekExperts glorious treksports.com and uh you'll uh you'll be able to purchase some great stuff so when you meet us at the convention we'll be extra nice to you if yeah. you're in, <laughs> if, if, you're in wear, if you're in our experts where if you're in glorious Trek-sports active wear, you know it's great go to the gym you'll look really cool just take my word for it <laughs>
0: although i should say it would probably be in glorious inactive wear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really funny. Gary, you're on fire today. I'm first on a, fire. First the uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I leah joke and now this. I love it. It's no end except Come for the interview right stay now. For this Darren's is the end. witty Bon mots. <laughs> and uh there you go. So and then uh, I want to thank uh, the great Mark Rivera who continues to make it sound good uh through our uh, Zoom because of course uh the pandemic sent us to Zoom, and I'm, I, for those of you who have asked, we're never going back to the John Gale Memorial Studio, yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. It just, Zoom has worked out too well, and and one of us, I'm not saying who, has uh, moved to an undisclosed location outside of Los Angeles, so it is impossible for us to record live. He's outside the TMZ. <laughs> he is. He is he's, 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 he's gone somewhere where... And he's gone! And then he's gone. And then he's gone. So, um, anyway, uh, on behalf... <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of Ashley Edward Miller, Darren document myself, Mark A. Altman, until next Thursday when we bring you an all new episode of Inglorious Trek Sports keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course.